Hi, and welcome to On the Spot with Dr. Michael Walker. This is a spoken word edition where I spend time speaking and discussing biblical topics with the hope of equipping, empowering, and encouraging you for effective living. I would like to spend some time with you discussing or speaking from the theme, God blessed me after the struggle. Two of the most fascinating verses in all of the Old Testament scriptures related to a person engaged in a personal struggle is found in Genesis chapter 32, verse 25 and verse 28, where in verse 25, the writer wrote, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And in verse 28, where the writer wrote, then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. One thing life teaches you while living is experiencing personal struggles is part of the process associated with living and having your being. Personal struggles are so commonplace in the lives of people that we find them recorded in literature, spoken in poetry, enunciated in songs, and depicted through various forms of televised entertainment. In one sense, personal struggles can be an exercise in emotional fortitude. And in another sense, personal struggles provide the meat and potatoes for telling a good story. The traditional view and understanding of Genesis 32, 22 through 32, is Jacob had a personal encounter with God throughout the night. And during the dawn of the new day, God disjoints Jacob's hip and Jacob's steel, full of fight to hold on. Ask God to bless him. After providing God with his name upon request, Jacob realized he struggled with God and prevailed. The problem in this text or passage of scripture is this. If God is the man wrestling with Jacob, how can man have the victory over God? Now, I realize I just pushed you right into the ocean. There are several ways to approach this question to flesh out an answer. Let's look at the internal evidence. It's one of the methods used in biblical studies where we turn to the scriptures to examine how the scriptures answers a biblical question. We are gauging then in what is known as internal evidence. It's one of two methods that are used. Now, in biblical studies, internal evidence essentially answers questions concerning the Bible through a biblical theological lens. Meaning, here's what other Bible authors had to say about a subject or a matter or how they understood God's involvement with the subject or the matter. The other method used to examine scripture is known as external evidence. This method seeks to answer questions concerning the Bible through a historical 
lens. Historical data outside of the Bible is collected, examined, and conclusions are drawn. This approach does not allow religious or theological traditions to influence conclusions. Right out, of the, right out of the gate, it is very important to ask this question or to pose a second question. How did other biblical writers understand the identity of the man Jacob wrestled with overnight? Let's look at a couple of verses together. I'll turn your attention now to Hosea. Hosea chapter 12, verse 32, depicts Jacob as a person who struggled with man and God. In the Genesis text, the term striven means struggle. And Hosea wrote, in the womb, he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood, he strove, struggled with God. In Hosea 4, the prophet wrote, he strove, there it is again, struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel and there God spoke with us. It is apparent for Hosea that Jacob struggled with an angel of the Lord. And it's most probable that Hosea did not believe Jacob saw God face to face. Let's go another direction. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, the writer wrote, But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Here we find Moses in conversation with God. And God said, Man cannot see his face and live. Man there is mankind. Thus, from the Moses conversation with God, it is reasonable to conclude it is believed Jacob physically struggled with an angel. When looking at what Hosea had to say about the incident of Jacob wrestling with a man and then trying to get an understanding of did Jacob physically and literally see the face of God. The Exodus 33:20 text helps us understand that God does not allow man to physically, literally see his face. In the Genesis text, the angel told Jacob, for you have striven, there it is again, struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Now that we have clarified that Jacob physically wrestled with a man who is understood to be an angel, we can now turn our attention briefly to what is meant by you have striven with men or you have struggled with men. The term prevailed means here in this context, victory. So when the man say, stated to Jacob, the man, you know, at this point being the angel, for you have striven or struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And have prevailed. 
He was literally saying, you have struggled with God and with men and had the victory. Who were the men Jacob struggled with? I imagine by now you're starting to see a pattern. A pattern where we are engaging with the text. Turning to internal evidence again. The context surrounding this story suggests the men was none other than his brother Esau and Esau's companions. In chapter 31, we learn Jacob is greatly distressed on account of God telling him to return to his country and his kindred that he may prosper. This was a real concern for Jacob because he remembered full well that he took advantage of his brother and stole his brother's birthright and disguised himself as Esau to receive the blessing from their father Isaac. Jacob remembered Esau hated him and wanted to kill him for cheating him twice. Cheating him out of his birthright and cheating him out of the blessing from their father. By now, Jacob has been away from the land of his birth family for some time. And the very thought of having to face Esau was terrifying. So terrifying, Jacob concluded to follow the direction of God, he would need to divide his family, his servants, and his possessions into two groups so that if Esau attacked one group and killed the, them, the other group would live. Now look at Jacob's dilemma. To allow God to order his steps means to face his worst fear being killed by his brother. Jacob was so afraid to see Esau that he sent a delegation of his servants with animals and possessions to present to Esau as a form of bribery in the hope that the gift and possessions would cause Esau not to kill him and his family. When he heard Esau had 400 men with him, Jacob was really distressed. He was struggling with Esau without having physically seen him. The theological moral then of the story of Jacob wrestling with God is this. God may bless us after we face and work through our struggles. Like Jacob, we are not exempt from facing real struggles related to dealing with other people. Like Jacob, there are moments when we face real struggles involving our family members. Like Jacob, there are instances when we face struggles that call us to account for our past wrongdoings. Like Jacob, there are times when we face struggles associated with obeying directions from God. All I'm trying to tell you is facing our struggles is a part of life. No level of service for God prevents personal struggles. No amount of sacrifice to God prevents personal 
struggles. No amount of prayer prevents personal struggles. I realize I may be rattling some of you. No amount of hope in Christ prevents personal struggles. All who have life and have their being in the earth encounter personal struggles. Anyone who suggests otherwise is being disingenuous. The challenge then is not how can we avoid personal struggles. It is how can we overcome or how can we endure personal struggles. If there's another lesson that we gain from the story of Jacob wrestling with God, it is overcoming personal struggles has much to do with our decision to not give up. Let, let, me, let me slow down. Let me say that again. You see, friend, overcoming whatever personal struggle that you face has a great deal to do with the decision that you make to not give up. Let me try to say that one more time for good measure. My friend, as you're in the midst of your struggle, overcoming your struggle has little to do with what others say about you. It has a whole lot to do with you making a decision to not give up. I don't know about you, but I can identify with Jacob in this. There have been some personal struggles in my life that I have encountered that were so intense, they seem to zap my energy. There have been some personal struggles that I have encountered in my life that, that were so intense they seem to arrest my focus. There have been some struggles in my life that have been so intense that I felt thoroughly and totally exhausted. In the midst of what seemed to be a struggle that would not end, in the midst of a struggle where I didn't have any help. In the midst of a struggle where I reached a point of con concluding all I can do is hold on. I realized God's blessing was on the other side of my struggle. At the risk of sounding weak, I have no choice but to admit some struggles left me in a condition of simply holding on. I did not have a great deal of wise words in those moments. No, I did not have a great deal of help in those moments. I know then that you would imagine I could wordsmith a better description of my condition. 
But the reality is there are some struggles that come along that are so intense, that are so difficult, that are so exhausting, that holding on is the best description to depict my condition. The truth is there are some struggles that I've been through where I couldn't lean on someone else. I, I couldn't ask someone to step in and, and take my place. That no matter how much I prayed, the struggle would not end. That, that no matter how much I fasted, the struggle would not end. That, that no matter how much I anointed my head with oil, the struggle would not end. I couldn't run away from it. I couldn't avoid it. And all I could do in the midst of my struggle was just simply hold on. In those kind of struggles, I realized what loneliness is. Not the kind of loneliness when you are alone because you wish you had someone to be affectionate with, with, but the kind of loneliness, the kind of isolation where you're in the midst of the battle of your mind or your life or whatever is threatening you and you look up and realize that nobody can help you. That the people around you are but shadows. Because none of them can help you in your struggle. You're in the midst of what I call a lonely journey of just simply holding on. I imagine you, get, you then might be able, or some of you might be able to identify with me in this. You see, you don't need me to give you examples of your struggles. For your memory of your struggles speak for themselves. You don't need me to give you a play-by-play -play of my personal struggles. For it's beneficial for you to hear me make plain that I share with you in the human experience in Christ, that I am not supernatural, regardless of what some like to prop up in their minds concerning reverends and ministers and pastors, all titles that I have and held. For you, it's beneficial to hear me make simple that I, like you, face struggles from time to time that are personal and very intense and push me to the brink of just simply holding on. That I do not possess something that you don't possess in Christ. That just like you strain and struggle in Christ, I too strain and struggle in Christ, even in the area of personal struggles. You don't need me to give you the play-by-play. -play. It's just something good about knowing that I'm just a fellow brother in Christ like you. A fellow brother in the human family like you who sometimes is just doing all he can do to hold on and get through it. I may not look like you. I may not walk like you. I may not talk like you. But I am in the human family just like you. 
And sometimes it feels good in the body of Christ to hear you're not alone in the struggles. Sometimes it feels good to hear that you're not alone in what it means to live and have your being in Christ in a difficult world. Sometimes it's good to hear that you're not alone when it comes to just experiencing personal struggles that try to take you out. Sometimes it feels good in the body of Christ to hear you're not alone in the struggle we call life. No matter what titles we hold, no matter what positions we hold, no matter what our possessions are, we're all just trying to live our lives in Christ to the best of our ability. I do not always know why God does what he does. And I do not know the full will of God in all things. But I do know he blessed me after the struggle. I may not know all there is to know about God. And I may not be able to explain all there is to God. But I do know he blessed me after the struggle. I may not know why God allowed me to experience my personal struggle. But I do know God blessed me after the struggle. I may not know why my struggle lasted as long as it did, but, but I do know God blessed me after the struggle. All I'm trying to tell you is God gives blessings after the struggle. If you're just encountering a struggle, don't run from it. God gives blessings after the struggle. You might be in the midst, my friend, of a struggle. Don't give up. God gives blessings after the struggle. You have what it takes, my friend, to get to the other side of your struggle. You might be going through your struggle alone. Do not quit. God gives blessings after the struggle. I say again, you have what it takes to make the decision to hold on until God blesses you. Your struggle does not prevent you from asking God to bless you. Seek God for a blessing and hold on until God blesses you. I have a final question for some of you. What does the name Jesus mean to you? 
I realize we live in a very diverse culture. I realize there's no such thing as one sole thought about any topic, matter, or person. But I ask some of you who are within the listening audience, what does the name Jesus mean to you? I ask you to give it some thought. I ask you to give it some consideration. For you, does it mean he was a teacher, a prophet, a great man? For you, does it mean he is the Messiah or a Messiah? For you, does it mean he is a savior or the savior? What does the name Jesus mean to you? Well, until I get a chance to talk with you again, I'll see you round like a donut. May the Lord bless you and keep you.